0: Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org.
1: You know, I I say this more than I probably should, because you're just going to get bored with it, but things are going to be a little different (laughs) today, Um, again, uh, as as we just kind of press in. I want to start by thinking about the church. Just just the the church uh, in in all of its beauty. And sometimes one of the ways to think about serious things is to start with humor. Because humor often points out some of our, you know, little flaws. So I want us to to look at a little church humor. I like to collect church signs. So if you ride by a church sign that says something interesting, snap it and send it to me. Because I I love collecting these. Here here are some signs that I think share a little bit about the reality of the church on our planet. Uh, This first one says, do you know what hell is? Come hear our preacher. (laughs) I'm hoping that will not be your experience today. Another one this one says they asked me to change this sign so I did. Now I don't know about you but I think that dude or dudette got an attitude. You know, they apparently the, the, this sign changing wasn't in their gift mix so you know they just said okay I'll show them. Here, here's another one it says God does not make mistakes. <laughs> Maybe they were thinking about dinner, you know, I, I don't know. Um, here's another one it says, now, now this shows the church can get off missions sometimes especially if you live in the southeast during football season. Um, <laughs> if you don't love Jesus and root for Bama you're all burned. <laughs> a little mission drift there you know and uh, here, here's one it says our church is like fudge we're sweet with a few nuts we might could put that one out front of this church uh, might might should say it with a lot of nuts um, one last humorous statement uh, how many of you remember the comedian George Burns? How many of you are old enough to remember who George Burns was? Okay, I'm glad it's not just me um, George Burns when he was encouraging a pastor one day uh, with some uh, thoughts on his public speaking on how to present a sermon and this is what he said he says pastor the secret of a good sermon is to have a good beginning and a good ending, and keep those two things as close as possible. (laughs) So I'm going to try that this morning. I'm not not known for that, but I'm going to try to do that this morning. You know, just again, thinking about the church in all its wonder and and beauty, we we need to understand that gathered right now, you know, all over the face of our country and all over the world in so many ways will be facilities, big, small houses, all, all those kind of things with people. Some who are broken and hurting and lonely, some who are hopeful and enthusiastic and, and filled with faith and, and passionate. Um, and, and many times they will gather in some kind of gathering like this, where they kind of do that weekly. And here's the sad part of that for many, that's the only experience they have with church. It's just a, a, a big gathering now don't get me wrong they'll, they'll show up and they'll attend the meeting weekly and they'll listen attentively maybe not snore during the message um, they'll sing a few songs some will participate in the singing and um, some will even you know as in prayer time will pray but so often what takes place is then they just kind of return to their lives just kind of go back to d- default but for others the Holy Spirit somewhere along the way bubbled up inside you. It just, it, it stirred in you and it caused you to ask some questions. Maybe ask some questions about the, the, the church. Kind of like, is, is just gathering weekly the only thing that Jesus had planned for showing up here? Is it, was it just to get a bunch of people together in a holy huddle and sing some songs and listen to somebody talk or something like that? Who is this thing called the church for? Why does the world need the church? And when you get down to it, what is it? What, what is the church after all? You know, we've said multiple times and we'll keep saying it because we need to remind each other of this. The church is not buildings. It's not buildings. The church um, isn't people gathering weekly. It may do that. The church isn't a list of rules or some kind of philosophy. It's not a program. You know, it's not, you know, two kind of traditional holidays. It's not, even though some people try to make it, it's not a political ideal or affiliation. It's not a country club. The church, though we were intended to gather, is not our sole purpose. You know, it wasn't just to get together wearing some nicer clothes and saying some really nice things the church is the followers of Jesus everywhere. It's the followers of Jesus. That's what the church is. It's the followers of Jesus all over the planet. Jesus said this and it's recorded by the gospel writer Matthew in Matthew chapter 16 verse 18. Jesus said I will build my church. Jesus said I'm going to do that. He said and when I do it, where I do it, gates of hell don't stand a chance. They will not prevail against the church. Now, j- just real quickly, uh, many of you know this but I just want to review it real quickly. The, the word church is the, from the Greek word ekklesia and it's a compound word. It's actually two Greek words put together. The first half is the word ek and just ek and that, that just simply means out. That's what ek means, it means out. And this word clesia or the, the root of it is kaleo simply means to call or, or called. And so when you put those two words together, what you get is this word "eklesia." and it means those called out. The ones that have been called out. Now, if someone is called out, it indicates something there. And that is that someone has done some calling. There, there is someone who has done some calling and when we think about the church we know this that the church was called out by God himself. The the God the creator of the universe called people out. They're the called out ones called by God. We also would understand if we stopped and think about if there's a group of people who are called out they have been called out from something called out out from something out of something, and the thing that they have been called out from and and, and called out of is sin and death. The, the Bible tells us this that um, and I'm just going to, some of you I know are concerned about what's going on here. Our, our dis, dear sister here is being taken care of by some of our nurses. Um, she has fainting spells and uh, we love her. This happens from time to time. Um, and she's told me don't ever quit on my on my say. So I'm going to listen to her and not. Um, but the church itself is this, this group of people that have been called out Out of sin and death is what the Bible says that we were we were dead in our trespasses dead in our sin and that we have been called for something we've been called for a purpose and that purpose is God's plan and God's plan is world redemption. The redemption of the whole world is God's plan. And what we're a part of is we've been invited into that, that mission. So the church has been called out by someone for, from something for something. And we understand what it is. Now if you went back to the book of Acts and did kind of a, a cursory reading of the book of Acts, you would see that displayed in, in incredible ways. And one of the things that we see the book of Acts continually talking about is the gospel. Communicating the gospel to all the world. That's what the church is called out for. So that the gospel comes to outsiders. The gospel comes to forgotten. The gospel comes to those who have been abandoned, to those who have been excluded. And, and these outsiders would receive the good news. You see this story after story after story after story in, in the New Testament, this, this happens. And any time we see this, the gospel being proclaimed, when Jesus talked about the gospel, he always talked about it with another biblical concept, and that's the concept of the kingdom of God. The, the kingdom of God. Those two things always went together in, in Jesus' mind and heart and teaching. And the kingdom of God is simply the rule and reign of God. Come to earth now. Jesus said the time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent believe the good news. He says the kingdom of God is for, is for now. It's not just for something later. And in the kingdom of God things like mercy and forgiveness... You know they take precedent over things like bitterness and resentment. They replace those things as people uh, who sometimes had been deemed as unreachable or, or hopeless kinds of people are brought into the family of God or actually adopted by God as his sons and daughters. Then the fullness of the kingdom begins coming. And it's it gets expressed uh, not just that we would escape evil. That's how some people think about the gospel. Only that the gospel was us just merely escaping from here, getting out of this evil place when we die but the Bible says there's so much more about the kingdom of God that there is there is good news and it's the good news of of God's kingdom living among us that eternity didn't wait for us to get there that eternity came down here to live and dwell among us and that we can enter that even now and that's called the church The called out ones called into the the kingdom of God and that we are committed to advancing the good news of of God's kingdom. That we, we would step into that. And I have come to believe that that's only going to happen when you and I adopt, accept, live out the three holes of the Great Commission of Jesus. Now some of you are saying, Joe, I did not know the Great Commission had holes in it. Okay, it's not H O W H O H O L E S. Yeah, I'm getting myself mixed up. It's W H O L E S. The three holes of the Great Commission. And I want to remind you, the Great Commission is, is recorded in Matthew twenty eight, one place. It says Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority on heaven and earth. And out of that authority, he says, you go and you make disciples, people who will follow me from from all nations. You you do that. You baptize them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit and you teach them to observe everything that I have taught you. That's what Jesus said. That was the great commission. And he said, I'm going to do that. You're going to do this and I will be with you in it. Even to the end of the age. Now, there are three aspects of the Great Commission that are so important if we're going to do that. If we're going to make disciples of all nations. And the first of those holes is this. It's going to take the whole church. The whole church on this planet, if we're going to evangelize the world, if we're going to take the gospel everywhere, if we're going to make disciples of all nations, it will take the whole church. Now we talk here about desiring, believing God has called us to take the gospel to every man, woman, and child where we live, work, and play. But this will require every man, woman, and child in the church, the whole church, taking the whole gospel. So there's the whole church taking the whole gospel. It's not just taking the part of the gospel that says you can die and go to heaven if you trust Jesus. That's a huge part of the gospel but it's not the only part. There's a significant part to, to the gospel. And we're going to be talking more about that in the days ahead as we unpack these three. But it's the whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole world. Those are the three holes of the Great Commission as I see them. And we're going to take some time over the next couple of weeks to continue to talk about that as we press into this series that we have entitled Gospeling. Now, what I want us to do today is I want us to hear from some folks from our River family who have heard God's call to take, to be on mission with him for world redemption and to take the whole gospel to the, the whole world. And so um, I'm going to uh, invite Team Cuba up here. We're not going to play the video first. I'm going to invite Team Cuba to begin making their way down here, if you would. And I'm going to try to do a better job with a microphone this time and make sure it gets turned on. Dave, you're going there? I'm going to come here then. David, come on brother. Come right on in. Robert, I'm going to give you that, if you would. You okay, bro? Yeah,
2: man.
1: Okay. <laughs> this is our, our latest team that went into Cuba. Um, they were there a couple months ago and uh, obviously have returned. That is, makes sense, I guess. Um, here's, here's what I would like for you guys to, to, to do this morning, if you would. Um, I think all of you, this, is, this was y'all's second trip, I think Dave and David, this was your third trip into Cuba. Um, I, I, I just want to start with, what, what did you go for? What, what did you guys kind of see as the mission for going back into Cuba this time? Robert, you want to take that?
3: Sure. Um, I think the main purpose of this mission trip was twofold. One is we've established that we're going to partner with the church in Bayamo. And so we went to teach them, and, but we also went to build relationships. Uh, part of it was to get to know the church, get to know the members, and also figure out how we can partner with them, what we can do to help them, and walk alongside them to be in ministry with them.
1: Okay. For those of you that don't know, we, uh, in our second time in uh In Cuba Our team really kind of clearly heard The first team really did We went to to kind of confirm that That God was calling River Bluff to adopt Bayama, which is a city in eastern Cuba. And, uh, and we clearly heard that. Uh, the second team has gone back in to kind of fill in some of the blanks uh, that we left uh, in, in the second trip. And so God is at work there. And so what I, I would love to hear a little bit, uh, maybe Kim. Just Kim, what are some of the ways that you saw God working this time that maybe were different from last time? What, what do you see God doing in the city of Bayamo and in the churches that we're partnering
4: with? Um... Yeah, in in Bayamo, we, the first time we were in Santiago, and we were it was more like a overview view of what's going on in Cuba. This time with Bayamo, I think um, because we visited. Um, little uh, house churches in the communities and what happens is people, they come to the Lord they open up their home and just people start coming and listen to Bible stories um, messengers and um, these people, they become small group leaders and uh, a lot of them actually, I I can see that there's a vision to actually become churches. So they're they're actively um, reaching their communities and um, these people like uh, a lot of them work full-time and so um we're trying to get people to sponsor um different small group leaders so they can go full-time in the ministry that's what their heart is and so we've actually um decided to sponsor one lady called Katarina She's working in a hospital in pretty bad conditions, and she desperately wants to go into the ministry full time. So, we have decided to sponsor her. It costs—we're going to spend thirty dollars a month, and she is going to be able to that take care of her needs, and she will be able to put her whole heart and soul into the ministry. So, I, I just think that it's incredible that these people—they have a real um, view for how to reach their community.
1: How many of you have ever? In your life, led a small group or host it one in your home. You've done that? How many of you would have done that had you known that their, their long-term goal of, your, of that church that you worked in was that you would become a church and you'd be the pastor? I didn't see any more hands go back up again. But maybe one. Maybe one or two. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and they're already in, Pastor. Um, they, they, they have this commitment. They, they, are, they have heard God say that they need to saturate their city with the gospel through a church planning movement. And that's what we're there helping them with is is partnering. Now, um, guys, how has the, the times that you have been, whether this time or the, the last time, just how has your life been transformed you know, changed maybe, Uh, what do you see God doing in in you uh, because of going, because of of sacrificing and going?
3: I think probably the couple things. Uh, Kim and I, when we've come back, we've been there twice, we've developed some strong relationships with people, but probably the main thing we've recognized is we're blessed. Mm. We have things that we can't even comprehend that, that they just don't even have access to. Um, We have drinking water that we can take out of the tap. Um, We can trust the food that we eat. Uh, We can trust and know that we have income and abilities to to take care of our needs. Um, So what Kim and I've been looking at is how do we spend our time, how do we spend our resources, not only personally, but also in our business life. Um, In this trip, they've asked us to come back and they want us to teach business classes. How can they start um, businesses where they can then have a little bit more control over their income? And so we've started to look a lot stronger at that, whether it's clothing that we have or a cell phone that we've used, um, just a variety of things that they physically can't get or if they can get, it costs them a huge amount of money. The average Cuban makes $30 a month. The price of a pair of jeans is $18. So families have decisions. Do we buy food or do we buy jeans? Well, all of us as parents and as Indigenous know there's no decision there. And so um, we're looking at ways we can help them, whether it's giving them computer programs or uh, computers, uh, clothing. Kim took clothing with us. Um, ibuprofen, you know, things that we open our medicine cabinet and we get readily, they can't even get. And so um, it's really just searching ourselves, seeing how we've been blessed, and it's not so we can just look at what we have, it's so we can bless others. Mm. Be content with what we have. They're extremely content, um, and they're extremely ripe and ready for the gospel. So if we can meet their needs physically, it opens a door where now we can share the the gospel of Christ with them in how we act and and, and then also how we speak to them. Amen.
2: Uh,
1: how, how would you kind of describe right now what what you see God doing? Uh, I don't know whether David or Dave, one of you guys, want to take that. But what, what do you see God himself? It can only be described as the activity of God in Cuba. And specifically for us, because we're, we're, we're planning there, in Bayama, what, what do you see God doing?
2: Well, you know, uh, when we go there, we go to... Uh, places that are already thirsty for God realistically not everybody's happy to see us come there but what I have noticed and uh, am very grateful for is when we went to Bayamo there was a small church and there were people uh, that would come to church and granted if you come there when we're there you you can really eat pretty well there so there are some folks that will visit just to get a good meal. But what I found is that the second the second time we went to the Bayamo was that thirst for God was very contagious. And people weren't coming there just to get nourishment for their body. They were coming to get nourishment for their soul. And it was just and I'm hoping I get to go again, but God is moving in such a magnificent way, you just really can't explain it. My heart jumps for joy at the same time my heart breaks. And when you hear other folks from other missions that's been on missions, hopefully yours will do the same. The, the other thing is um, when I think of missions, I don't think of missions necessarily anymore as just going Overseas somewhere or a foreign land or anywhere like that missions uh, has come to mean to me personally my backyard my front yard my neighbors uh, people in some of the groups that I'm in um, that's not spiritual groups or anything like that but. it gives me an opportunity to share the word of God from anything as simple as, oh, it's a beautiful day. Oh, yes, it is. You know, God's a wonderful God. He, I mean, you can just, in all kind of fashions, you can spread the good news of Jesus Christ. What Would all of you guys say that because you have had
1: a cross-cultural mission experience, maybe into a foreign country, that, that God has changed the way you look at lostness here? Yeah, I think, I think that's a kind of a common experience. Dave, when, when you think about what you're seeing God do in Cuba, I mean, even as recent as a phone call last night, I think, what are you, what are you sensing that God is doing there?
5: Well, we have a a strong relationship with uh, three different churches, and there's a loose collaboration amongst those churches right now to um, see everyone hear and understand the gospel. We want to continue to help them in that collaboration, help them strengthen it, um, help them establish a vision for discipleship and church planning, and um, possibly establish a couple training centers where these small groups leaders can be developed and trained not only to take the gospel out, but to disciple then eventually with the vision for church
1: planning. Okay so there, there are a lot of things to be praying for continue to pray for the movement of God raising up small group leaders who will probably eventually go on to be pastors and plant churches all around the region not just in the city but some, much of this is happening on the outskirts pray for those folks um, and uh, pray for the, their needs to be met you know, one of the things that uh, comes when the gospel begins to saturate an area is, is the blessing of God and uh, and so we'll see that that kind of movement take place too. Uh, pray for the, the protection of those who are taking the gospel, because there are still those who are being persecuted uh, in Cuba for their faith, especially some who are kind of on the cutting edge of seeing the gospel go forth in powerful ways. And I'm, Robert, I'm going to ask you if you would to just lead us as a church to pray for what God's doing there and how we can be a part of it. Okay, brother?
3: Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege you give us of being your hands and your feet, Lord. The Great Commission calls us to go, Lord, to teach, to baptize, and to help people, Lord. We pray, Lord, as you stated, the fields are ripe and ready for harvest, but the workers are few. Mm. So, Lord, inspire us to fulfill the calling that you have for us. Help us to recognize as individuals, as businesses, as Christians, Lord, that we can uh, assist and help in the missions taking place around the world. Lord, you've provided us with so much, and we ask that you'll open our eyes to see how we can share that with other people Mm. and through the process of meeting their physical needs be given the privilege. To sharing the good news with them so that they can also understand salvation yes. protect us lord help us to see how you're moving around the world in areas like cuba whether it's global leadership or uh, helping plant churches, or providing clothing, Lord. We can see that we all can participate in this. We all have talents given to us. We have resources given to us. And Lord, we ask that you reveal to us how you want us to be used. We accept the calling, and we move forward with it Mm -hmm. in your strength and your Holy Spirit. In your son's name we do pray, amen.
1: Amen, amen, thank you guys. Y'all thank them for sharing. Diane, if you would begin coming up here, my dear sister. Uh, this is Diane Weiss, who is uh, joining me now, and Diane, I'm going to give you that, dear. Come and have a seat with me, if you would. Uh, Diane, you have just returned uh, last Sunday from where?
0: Um, so I went to Myanmar, um, which is Burma in Southeast Asia, um, for about 10 days.
1: And what, what, what was kind of your mission? What, would you go there specifically to, to engage and do?
0: So, I personally went there um, just as part of a medical missions. Um, It was an opportunity given to me um, through my job, Um, but also um, to kind of share the gospel um, better with the kids.
1: Okay. So, you guys went primarily to work in in an orphanage. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Um, So, the orphanage um, is taking care of an organization called Remember, um, which is who we went through. Um, But the kids there, um, there's about 60 kids um, and it's primarily a boys' orphanage, um, but some girls from the local orphanage came to visit as well. Um, But a lot of the kids there are There, because their parents have gotten um, persecuted um, to being, or because of their religion um, for being Christian. Um, And also, I didn't mention the first service, but a lot of the kids there are. Um, Kids who were not able to go into, um, like, a second marriage with their mom. So if the mom was married before and they got a divorce, the kid wasn't allowed to go into the second marriage. So they were abandoned. So they were abandoned. Um, So remember, kind of gave them a second home um, and kind of a second chance. And so you
1: guys went in mostly to provide medical treatment and love on these kids in the orphanage, but God also gave you some opportunities to kind of, Go out beyond that.
0: Yes. So we um, we also we did the local orphanage, but we also went out into the community. Um, went to a local Bible college, um, and a lot of the kids there are learning to become pastors. Um, and so we gave them medical care as well. But we also were able to just kind of share um, the gospel with them, and um, they were kind of able to tell us a lot about what they know about God.
1: Now, as we talked with the first group, you know, when when somebody goes and has an experience like this, something changes in them. Mm-hmm. What, what would Diane... Now, this was your first overseas experience. Yes,
0: my first flight, my first um, out-of-the-country experience. Um, so it was about 23 hours um, of flying, flying time, time. <laughs> um, there and then 23 hours back. So it was a lot.
1: <laughs> so it wasn't like just going to Atlanta.
0: No, it wasn't like an hour flight to Atlanta, no.
1: <laughs> How has... I mean, you've only been back a week, Mm -hmm. but what has God already begun doing in you to transform you more in the image of Christ in that time, just since coming back?
0: So, um, being there with the kids and um, being around them for about 10 days, you kind of get to know them, you know, a little bit. Even though there's a language barrier, um, you still can kind of get to know them. And the way that they love God and the passion that they have for him just makes you want to be a better person and makes you want to grow deeper in your faith. So, I think for me, um, it's just kind of getting to grow deeper in my faith, and they made me want to be A better version of me through God so definitely um, they've shown me ways that I need to work on myself with my relationship with God Um, and as well as you know just being grateful for what we have Um, you know we are so ungrateful and we're so blessed to be able to have the freedom to share God's word um, and over there, you know, you, it's illegal. You know, you you'll get persecuted.
1: Now, and if I understood it correctly, a large percentage of the boys in the in the that orphanage, parents were martyred for mm-hmm. their faith, and so that's how they how they ended up there. When you think about now, mm-hmm. praying for the experience that you praying for the people in Myanmar, praying for the work of ministry in that orphanage, how how are you praying, and how would you how would you direct us to pray?
0: Um, so a lot of the um, kids there, obviously they are Christian, but I think just the way that we can all pray for them um, is just to one to make sure that they grow deeper with. In their faith with God, um, because a lot of them are still on the fence um, about Christianity. Um, they primarily are Buddhists over there, um, so that's one way. And then also, the kids do age out um, at the age of 18. So if they are um, forced to go back into a community, if they don't end up, you know, getting a job as a pastor or a nurse or, you know, become successful, that they go back into their community and that they have strong enough faith to, um, share God's word and I guess not be scared or, you know, Hmm. persecuted for
1: that. Uh, Just one kind of last question. Mm -hmm. If, uh, if you're given an opportunity, would you go again?
0: Yes. Okay. I would definitely go again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Well, let, let me pray for, uh, for for Myanmar and the work God's doing there. Father God, I, I thank you for my, my my sister's heart. I thank you for Diane. I thank you for her obedience at having heard you uh, call her to go. Uh, and God, it, the, the the financial obligation was huge, but she trusted that she heard from you and you provided for her. And we're so thankful for that. And, and God, we, we also come now praying for Myanmar. We pray especially, God, for These little brothers and sisters in Christ, these orphans who were orphaned because for so many of them, their parents were were killed because of their faith. And as Diane just helped us think, God, we we're asking you to comfort them, to be the God of all comfort to them To through these missionaries on the ground there who are who loving them and the church that surrounds them. We pray, Father, that their faith would grow, that they would come to know that you love them, God, in spite of the difficulty that they face. And we pray that their faith would grow so that it would be strong, so that it could stand up against persecution in that country. But God, we also pray that persecution would end. God, we pray that you would raise up governments that would protect instead of governments that might destroy. We ask you, God, to provide for the needs both physically and emotionally and spiritually. And we pray, God, for these people who, who are so content, who have so little, that you would teach us, God, how to be your children content on this planet with what you've given us. Help us, God, I pray, and show us and challenge us and draw us into whatever mission and ministry you'd have us go on with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Diane. Y'all thank Diane for (laughs) sharing. Pam? This is uh, my sister Pam Mailey. And uh, Pam, I'm gonna give you the microphone and let you kind of explain things. Have a seat if you would. Um, Pam, you have just come back from where?
6: Madagascar.
1: Madagascar. And there were not a bunch of them crazy little animals running around or anything, was there?
6: Just some lemurs.
1: Just some lemurs, yeah. okay. Um, Pam, you have a family. Your, your son and, and his wife and kids are missionaries, medical missionaries in Madagascar. Uh, I think a picture of them is up on the screen. Can you tell us who they are by name?
6: Sure. Uh, we'll start on the left and Gwen is the youngest at five and then there's Kaylin at seven, Sean and Angie and then their oldest son is Liam and he's nine.
1: Okay, what, what are they in Madagascar for primarily? What, 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 what have they been sent there primarily for to do?
6: Oh, well, um, primarily they're there just to share the gospel um, with the people. Uh, their traditional type of worship is um, um, ancestral or Muslim, and so for them, they're going to tell them about the about the Lord and about Jesus. Um, they're also doing it through different types of ministries um, that are coming up, and the Lord has been starting to put into place um, on this particular term for them. Uh, one of them is um, uh, community health, and um, the Lord is answering prayer and bringing Malagasy uh, people into their um, into their. Their, um, village where they can um, start uh, a program where that they can help the, the people know how to take care of themselves um, through the, the things that they have there. And so that's one of their ministries that they're working on. Uh, another one is translating into the Sakalava language and they're meeting people and finding connections for that. So that's going uh, really well. Uh, as well as having uh, planting a, a church. They've going to church in a village just a couple miles from theirs in uh, Baymen and Juhili um, and so they're working in that respect as well they're also having a Bible study in their homes on Saturday mornings which is kind of morphed into more of a, maybe a children's program um, along with any adults that will that will come and this is uh, you know they're looking at it okay if we can't get the older people to come we we will gladly take children And we will work with that generation to start changing the mindset um, that um, they don't have to live in fear and with their taboos and with their ancestral worship that they can uh, have a relationship with a loving God that cares for them very much.
1: One of the things that... uh You shared with us before leaving was a prayer concern Mm -hmm. that you had, and I think you said you saw the answer to it drive up um, uh, your second day there, first day there, something like that. Tell us, just remind us of that.
6: Correct. So before I left, I had shared the prayer request that they are um, their buggy or their what do you call it?
1: I call it gator, a gator. A gator,
6: yeah. yeah. They call it a buggy. Um, that it had been having numerous problems and it was on the fritz at the moment, and they had tried to, uh, for quite a while to get it fixed, and that they really. And it's, it's needed their fixed.
1: means of transportation. Right. I mean. It
6: is. It is. So um, when I got there, the day after I, I uh, got there, um, the the buggy uh, puttered up into the driveway, and it was all fixed and ready to go, and it took us everywhere we needed to go. And uh, Sean feels that now he has a mechanic that he can rely on and that's not going to try and, and soak money out of him for things that are not really wrong with it. So. Now,
1: one of the, you know, we've asked everybody about just a personal experience. I, I know that you were grandmom, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, while you were over there with your grandkids and, 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 and did a lot of things for the family to support and encourage them. But uh, you shared in the first service, and I'm going to ask you to do that again, just kind of a special way that God touched your heart through a unique story of someone's life that you were Got intertwined with. Can you tell us about that?
6: Right. Um, for me, this time, this has been my second trip. But for me, this time, the really, the Lord just really showed me how the the women of Madagascar really have no safety net, um, especially in their relationships with um, you know their husbands. I mean, they never really get married, but you know they have a relationship with them and have kids by them. Um, but you know, just at any time, the husband can not want them anymore and. Um, um, they leave, and generally their kids stay with the with the man they don 't go with the mom, which is heartbreaking um, and uh, and so these ladies really have no security and uh, One of the stories, although she wasn 't married, but one of the stories that really um, really impacted me and actually impacted people in this church was uh, a, f- a couple days after I got there we went to a village where uh, another one of the families on the missions team lives and when I got there Reeby, the missionary uh, lady uh, had a, a young lady with her a young Malagasy lady with her is probably about 25 years old and she looked pretty acted and looked pretty out of sorts um, she was having some issues and Reby explained to me um, that uh, she has left sided weakness, um, she has seizures that aren't controlled, she has some cognitive issues um, where she's, um, you know, she has some uh, medical disabilities, um, and and she would also was complaining some of some female issues. And so while I was there that day, Rabie said she was going to take her to a clinic and then come back and, and be with me because we were doing some other things. So she came back later and she said, You know, I kind of got a, more of a story on, on Sarah. She said, um, You know, the, the clinic was able to, to help bring to light some of the things that were in Sarah's life. And come to find out, uh, Sarah is is homeless. She was homeless. Um, her family didn't want her. They didn't want to have anything do, to do with her because of her disabilities. Um, everybody didn't want to be near her because they, they were afraid that whatever was wrong with her, they were gonna get it. Uh, so she had her own little bowl and her own little spoon and she would just walk around and, and people would put food in it for her. And if she didn't get food that way, she would uh, find a funeral. Somewhere because if you would go to a funeral, uh, they had to feed you. So if she heard of one, even if it was miles away, she would go to that just so she could have some food. And she'd leave her belongings underneath a tree. So, um, so you know, Rebe said that you know she's been abused, she's been beaten, she's been raped, um, and that was probably the cause of some of her female problems. And so, when they went to the clinic, they were able to give her medication for that. They were able to give her medication for her seizures. And she says, you know, she says, "We're going to build Sarah a home." And so that really struck with me. And as I went back to Sean's house, I texted Rebe and. I said, so how much would a house and medication be for for Sarah? How, how much would that be? And she said, well, she says the host, house would probably cost about three hundred dollars, and she said her medication for a year would probably be like around one hundred and fifty or so. So I said, okay, let me get back to you. So. I text John and I, you know, I told him, I said, you know, this is really heavy on my heart. John's your husband, by the way. John's my husband here. I said, this is really heavy on my heart. And I said, you know, we have a lot of people in our church that are giving people. I said, would you please present this to our MC group on Friday night? And so John did that and uh, a few days went by. And so I, you know, wanted to kind of be able to give Rebe update. And so I, I asked John, I said, so, you know, what, you know, did, did we get any money that we could put towards this this house for Sarah? And he says, well, he says, we've gotten over $700 for Sarah. That? Yeah. So, um... You'll see a picture up there with Sarah in her little one-room house. She's got a bed, she's got shelves, she's got buckets. She has all the things that she needs to have. She's got a safe place where she can stay at night and not have to be afraid of somebody coming and abusing her and neglecting her. She's got medications already started that are helping her. Her seizures haven't come back yet. So we're really praising God for for. You know, for what he's doing, and and for me going through that, and then coming home, and God speaking through you uh, with your with your message about being, um, you know. Being evangelistic and, and talking to God and and having compassion and caring about our neighbors here at home and and you know the ones that we the the needs that we see in Cuba and we see in, in Madagascar those are very blatant and in our face and and it's easy for us to see those and it's easy for us to, to help with that and uh, but yet you know as we're walking around our neighborhood or in our neighbors or in our condo complex or at the store or on the golf course you know when we look at these people our are we really asking you know God they probably have a need what is it you know what can I do and so that has really you know
1: recognizing that we're yeah. needy too we, we I are. mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. a different kind of need but everybody who is without Christ is in need right
6: yeah. and so God has really placed on my heart um, you know I just learned you know, and so now since he's, he's brought that up to me you know he says okay Pam you know I, I'm telling you about this person in your condo complex you know I've got a couple other believers there with you so you know what are you going to do with it so um you know I'm, I'm going to be held accountable to that Amen.
1: So. Pam how would you how would you instruct us to be in prayer for uh for Sean and Angie um your family but then for what God himself is doing in in Madagascar especially in this region mm-hmm. um how would you instruct us to pray
6: Well, just pray for Sean and Angie as they, you know, as they are getting these contacts coming in on on all these, you know. Another one is um, English as a second language. The people just desperately want to learn English. And so he's looking at that as um, a a way to build relationships. So so they have all these ministries and God is providing all these contacts. So if you can just be praying that Sean and Angie have discernment on them, um, that as uh, people come to them for translating... And just for different things, that they will just know um, how how deep to get into things, um, and just how to go about bringing those min- ministries into you know fruition. Uh, Also be praying for their church. Um, Their church is small, but it's doing well. Um, uh, Rosina, her picture's on there. She's the Malagasy leader of their missions team, and she has uh, a desire and wants some of their believers and and missionaries from their church and in that region to go to the mainland capital Tana, and go to Bible school for a year, and if it goes well, she wants them to continue for a three-year period. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, she she's not she never asked for a handout, and she um, you know exhorted her people. You know, you. Um, you, you can help support these people. You know If you can sell you know, that, those tomatoes that are growing in your backyard or that cucumber, you, know, you sell that and you support and, and you take ownership of, of getting your people uh, to learn more about God so they can bring it back. So you know, be praying that the church will take that seriously and that they will have opportunities to, to, to raise the money. Um, but we're thankful. You know We have extra money from Sarah, so we're hoping that possibly we can take that money. And and use that to help um, to help uh, send those people off to to Bible school, so um, you know there there are needs, but it's growing and God is working, and we're just so thankful for all of that.
1: Well, would would you one more? Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to mention it is very recently um, in the letter the newsletter from from Sean today. He mentioned that God may have may be opening a door to a pathway to some uh, the government officials that give leadership on health care in their region. And uh, so maybe they'll, they'll have some Christ-centered influence there. So we want to pray for that. I'm going to ask you to, to lead our prayer for what God's doing in Madagascar, okay?
6: Father God, we just thank you so much for your church. We thank you for yes. um, the church here and the calling that you have placed on our lives. We thank you for the church there. We just thank you, dear Lord, that you have put each one of us into positions um, and in situations um, that are specific for needs that um, that each one of us can fulfill. And yes. just help us, dear Lord, that we will look for those, um, that we will respond to them um, in confidence and in courage, um, that we would build your kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, all around the world, here in our neighborhood and other places. And, dear Lord, we just ask that you be with um, the church in in uh, Madagascar, that you would just help them, dear Lord, to to grow, to take responsibility um, in, in, in bringing that about. Um, uh, they don't have a lot, dear Lord, but you know that, we know that uh, we don't have a lot, we don't have to have a lot to build your kingdom. Yeah. Uh, we also just ask that you be with the different ministries that Sean and Angie are part of, the people that are coming um, to help and be with them. That um, as you open up avenues, especially through um, businesses and and the government. Uh, Hospitals and different things like that, dear Lord, that Sean and Angie will just be able to uh, take your, your word, your um, influence, and just be able to permeate those different areas and that they will uh, see, dear God, that, that uh, you are a loving God, that you care for them, and uh, that they do not have to live in fear and that uh, you love them very dearly. So we just thank you for all these opportunities that you have uh, given us, and we just ask that you help us as we discern what you want us to do in our lives as we um, work for you uh, at home and away. We'll just give you all the glory and praise. Amen. Amen. Thank you Pam.
1: Y'all thank Pam if you would. Okay Team India if you would hustle down gentlemen. Dave's coming back. Dave goes all over the place. We send Dave to all the corners of the world. this is uh, Dennis Kite and Scott Cockhill. Guys, if, if you would find a seat, I'm going to take the end here. Um, and yeah, why don't you put them in the middle so they, they'll be sharing a microphone. Um, you guys have been back from West Bengal, India now for about how long? Three weeks. Three, three weeks. Yeah, three um, weeks yeah. t- tell us a little bit about what, what, did, what did you sense God sending you there, uh, Dennis, to do? What was kind of your purpose for going?
7: I think it was um, more or less like a search and discover, um, just to see how we could minister to the people of India, if there might be a connection for River Bluff there. And um, it was eye-opening. Um, we didn't really know what we were gonna do. Um, and when we got there, we found out they didn't really know what we were gonna do. But uh, we did, Dave did some teaching and um, we shared our testimonies with uh, several villages. and. Uh, Very very hot there. Um, It's a whole different world. There's a,
1: a lot, a lot, a lot of people uh, that don't know Christ. Now, one of just uh, the beauty of that uh, of you saying, we didn't know specifics of why we were going. We knew it was kind of a vision trip. We were supposed to go discover what God was doing there and how we could partner. That's kind of a little bit like Abraham, you know, <laughs> being said, I'm going to show you where to go, but I'm not going to tell you, you know, what you're going to do till you get there kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I, love, I love you guys' hearts to do that. Uh, Scott, could you tell us a little bit about just, just kind of your experience? What, what did, you know, what, what did you, what did you see God do there and what did God do in you, man? I mean, how is, how is that translated to transformation in your own life? Okay. First off, we went to West Bengal, which is a
8: district in India. 150 million people, we have about 345 million in the U.S., so a huge number of people in a very, very tight, confined area. And uh, the majority uh, religion there is Hindi. Uh, it's against the law to actually openly preach Christianity as well as to try to convert somebody uh... so that was the the major parameters for us walking in but where i see god working is through a a very few number of people and expanding his kingdom from the people within uh... for the young people in the room one of the things that i'd like to to give you very quickly as i forgot to mention this this morning was is that in order to uh... share your testimony you gotta really know christ deep and, and hard in your own heart and number two you gotta be afraid not to talk about christ no matter where you're at. So you gotta listen to what Jesus told his disciples which is to follow me you gotta carry your own cross and be willing to lay your life down. And number three, you gotta have empathy for everybody. Everybody. This is a a lost group of people that honestly believe that their life is going on to something else when in fact we know that it's truly not. So my heart was touched simply by becoming Uh, having more empathy for the people that are there and understanding the huge enormous need for
1: Christ. Now, Dave, this is the West Bengal area is called an unreached people group. What what does that kind of translate to as far as population of Christianity
6: there? Uh,
5: Well, it Christianity there is uh, definitely a drop in the bucket. Uh, The percentage is somewhere under two percent. and their birth rate versus their death rate on a daily basis is three thousand people being born into the world versus for every person that dies and and so that percentage is decreasing even uh, without the gospel moving forward so So
1: lostness is growing then? It
5: is, yeah just out of people being born into lostness and so there is a huge need for the gospel to go forward and there are very few Christians so they're working with uh, Local pastors and leaders and Christian contacts in diff- different areas to um, help start a movement of the gospel through discipleship and church planning. And so there's just a huge need for that there.
1: What, um, guys, as, as you're back now, and you've been back for a few weeks and you've had an opportunity to kind of digest the whole movement. What, what do you see God doing there? I mean, D- Dennis, you want to take that one? What What is it that you see that, you know, you can say, this is just God, there's no other explanation for it? And, oh, and, and share, in that, share what God did in the lives of about 25 plus people.
7: Yeah. Um, the, I think the young people there are the key to, to spreading the gospel. I mean, the, the IMB missionaries are definitely making a difference, but the young people that live there, that can blend in, um, that's how the gospel is going to get spread there. And um,
1: the, the, the other question was about the conversions
9: that you guys saw.
7: Oh yeah, we went to uh, several villages and um, you know, of course, the missionary says the roads would be a little bumpy. Well, yeah. they were a lot bumpy. And um, I mean, we went, we drove and drove and I mean, you know you'd go through beautiful countryside and then come up on another village and there'd be thousands of people uh but we went to several houses um and Dave taught and we shared a testimony Um, one place eighteen people accepted Christ another I think four and then like some of the places nobody did but um, you know God's word says it won't come back void so we we believe seeds were planted and and they have pastors there that um, you know are spreading the gospel and uh, we just need to support them
1: One of the things I think I read in one of your your texts or emails while you were there was that the the house of one of the places where conversions took place was the house of an unbeliever that, that you guys had been invited into their house to, to tell the gospel story, which is, you don't see that happening a lot in the United States, do you? Um, unbelievers inviting Christians in. Um, guys, how would you, and anybody can take this, I'm going to ask Dennis to pray in a minute, how would you instruct Riverbuff to be in prayer for just the West Bengal people, um, that part of India, and uh, and for us, how to how to engage, how to pray, how to how to give, how to go. What would that look like?
8: All right, the first thing I'd like to say is is that you've uh, uh, prayer is the number one thing that anyone needs and certainly the people that are there and the uh, the homegrown missionaries that are there. their, Their whole goal the IMB is to get these people to be accountable for themselves not on the IMB. So their whole job is not necessarily to pastor but it is to convert, create homegrown churches inside of homes. I mean, we're talking, uh, I don't think the picture was up there, or it may have been, because we've not seen the slideshow. But we actually sat on a Sunday for about two hours, two hours, on a bed inside of a bedroom of one of their people worshiping God. Mm. That's a pretty cool thing. Um, So be in prayer for them all the time. And when you have opportunities to support people with your resources, I would encourage you to do so. It's such a small amount of money in order to adopt somebody somewhere. But be accountable. Make sure your money's going for what it's supposed to go for. And I think that was one of the reasons we had gone was to to look for how we could possibly financially support and like Dave has mentioned, they really don't want our money. They really want us. Um, And if you're interested in that missionaries thing, I would encourage you to see Dave um, going forward. For the young people, the, the future of any church is you. It is not us up here on the stage. It's going to be you young people. Whether you're playing baseball or whatever, it's important that you be thinking about Christ in your actions all the time and then show that to the rest of the world. You've got to be the light of the world.
1: I'm going to ask Dennis, if you would, to lead us to pray for the the conversion uh, for revival to come for that church planning movement to be seen uh, in West Bengal and throughout the nation of India, if you would. Okay.
9: Father in heaven, we do come to you praising you, Lord Jesus. And in your word, in 1 Corinthians 3, 7, it says, "No, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Yes. And Lord, we know you love the people of India, and we praise you and thank you for the work that's being done there. We pray that you would just bless these young men, Lord. And I'm going to um, ask you uh, to lift up Harumbo, Robert Jr., um, Edgar, and Sophia, the IMB missionaries there, Lord. Uh, Pastor Timothy, uh, Pastor Bebo and the other pastors I can't remember their name you know who they are Lord just be with them protect them Lord help them to be a fire Lord and a salt and light Lord to these people that need you Lord mm-hmm. Jesus and I pray for anyone here Lord that uh, that they would just continue to pray for them Lord and if they could financially support them or even to go Lord Jesus yes, and uh, we just thank you for what you're going to do here thank you for our church in Jesus name we pray
1: Amen. amen thank you guys so very very much yeah thank you um... I'm going to ask our praise team to go ahead and and begin making their way down here. Uh, I'm grateful to be a part of a church where so many people go on mission all over the world. And, you know, our heart here is to be a church that's on mission right where we live, work, and play as well as globally. And one of the things that I want to invite you to tonight is tonight we have our family meeting at 645. And much of the meeting we're going to devote to thinking about how we reach our area of accountability that we talked about last week. We're going we're to ask you to help us think clearly, brainstorm, if you would, as a River family of how we're going to be on mission right here at home, you know, in, in, in the ballparks where people come to, to, to play ball. How are we going to be on mission in every nook and cranny in, in our area of accountability? Um, I also want to encourage you to, to have given God an opportunity to speak to you through uh, any of these people that were up here today because I hope you heard their heart for the sake of the gospel and what God's doing in them as they go because God may be be calling you to give But God may be calling you to go. And so I'm just going to ask you to let your heart be open to the activity and movement of God. Because because of the transformation, not only will it happen in the world, but will happen in you. I don't know of a better way to see the gospel formed in you than when you go somewhere else uh, and share it with others. Maybe in your backyard or maybe around the world. So I want to pray for us. Uh, I want to pray that we would give generously and sacrificially now to the kingdom work of God through River Bluff Church. And, uh, and then we're going we're gonna to worship a- as we close. Um, but before we do that, I, I want to watch a video. I want to share with, we greeted our brothers and sisters in Cuba. We sent a video to them and they're going to send one back to us now. Um, I'm going to cut them off because it gets really long. I, I'm just sorry that I'm doing that. But uh, I'm going to do it. So I'm just warning you in advance, okay? If you'd run that, please.
6: Okay. Hello, God
8: bless you, thank you for your prayers.
6: Father, we praise your name, we glorify your name,
8: and we say thank you, Lord. Thank you for this day. This
6: day we were able to be together with our brothers and sisters from South.
8: Gracias por tu
6: pueblo de Carolina del Sur.
8: Thank you for your people in South Carolina. Por iglesia, la cual, Thank
6: you for Riverblock Church.
8: Gracias por, iglesia, la cual, han orado
1: mucho por yeah. Did you hear them praying for you? They do that regularly, you know. That wasn't, that wasn't just show. It wasn't because somebody was there with a camera our brothers and sisters in Cuba are praying for this church to be a light in our own community and to be a help to take the hope of Jesus to the world. They care about you too. Don't ever forget that. We're part of something global. It's not just us. We're privileged that way. Let's pray. Father God, we come in Jesus' name giving thanks for your goodness and grace that you have poured out on us. God, the... The opportunity to be on mission with you here at River Bluff overwhelms me some days. And when I, when I hear Pastor Oriel pray for, for us as a church, for, for some of us by name, it overwhelms me, God, with your goodness. And so we come as your people choosing now to give back to your work. Giving back with our resources. Giving back our hearts. Recommitting ourselves afresh to be on mission with the God who loves us and loves the world. Help us, I pray now, as we give our hearts in worship, as we give our resources. You take all of it, God, and multiply it out in your kingdom. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. If you're in North Charleston this Sunday, please consider visiting us at our 9.30 or 11 o'clock services. We'd love to see you. Again, for more information, visit riverbluff.org.
6: Now go change the world.